is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 425 for your Thursdays. It is April 7th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me during this happy hour on your Thursday afternoons, wherever you may be. I know this is probably a little out of the ordinary for you guys to have a live stream on Thursday afternoon. I uh, I honestly have been tinkering with things I want to do. I want to be on top of everything that I do. I want to be on top of all the news. And I'm very fortunate this week because we got WrestleMania this past weekend and I was absolutely exhausted. I was drained. So I'm glad that there really wasn't a lot of news up until the end of this week going into Thursday and on into Friday. But I want to be on top of everything, and I honestly did not have the energy to do anything during the week, in the beginning of this week, because of the exhaustion that I felt coming out of WrestleMania. So, you're getting a live stream today. You got a live stream today. I didn't really want to sit here and just do a regular record and upload video. I figured it would be a lot more fun. It's fucking raining outside. It's absolutely miserable outside. I haven't I haven't seen the sun in like fucking 6 days in New York City. It legitimately it legitimately looks like it looks like outside the venue. When you guys see the intro to the show, it looks like that. For 6 days. No fucking sun anywhere, man. So I figured why not? Why not? Before I sit down and enjoy my Thursday night with a glass of whiskey and some ghost adventures and some Yellowstone, I figured I'd come on here and shoot the shit with you all on episode 425. I want to thank you guys for joining me on your Thursdays. We got a lot to get into, and there is a lot. There is a lot. Whether it's good or bad, I don't really know. Depends on who you ask. We are definitely going to touch on the Nash Carter situation because there is more news in the aftermath of MSK's Nash Carter being released by WWE, man. I'm not going to really dive too much into it because it's a very sensitive topic. But I feel like WWE may have jumped the gun on this one. I don't think it really should have resulted in his termination. I honestly think WWE enzoed Nash Carter. Doesn't really make any sense. And with everything that I'm hearing about his ex-wife, we'll get into it. Brian Alvarez divulged a little bit on The Observer, and we'll talk about what he said and what he's heard from NXT and the backstage atmosphere in regards to him being released in WWE. Also, Tammy Sitch, who 
I was a fan of way back in the day, right before the Attitude Era. It was the new generation. We got Sunny, and she was with uh, the Body Donnas. She was a big deal. Sunny was great. Sunny was great. She was everything that WWE needed as far as sex appeal and just a beautiful woman being on television. She has completely ruined her life. And she is now what everybody is referring to as a menace to human society. I don't know why she's really given the opportunity to live amongst us. She needs to be put away, period. She does not need to be amongst the general populace anymore. She is now in a situation where she is involved in the murder of a 75-year-old man because she was driving under the influence. Mind you, with a revoked license. With a revoked license. And she's got one of those devices in her car that she needs to do a breathalyzer test before she even gets behind the wheel. And if she fails, it's one of those devices where the car won't operate if you breathe into it and you're above the legal limit. I don't know, man. The woman is a, a, a fucking disaster. And we're going to talk about Sam, uh, Sonny and Tim, uh, Tammy Sitch today on the show. We also got news on Cody Rhodes coming out of Monday Night Raw. Was his promo scripted? I don't know, man. It didn't sound like a scripted Cody Rhodes promo to me. It sounded like every other fucking Cody Rhodes promo. But I got news on if that was scripted or not. And who scripted that promo for one Cody Rhodes? So we will talk about that on the show today. And Pat Buck quit WWE. He was one of WWE's producers. He hasn't been there that long. After WrestleMania, gets up and quits. Why? We'll go over that today on episode 425. Follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. I know it's happy hour. I know it's not like a usual Monday or Wednesday on Off The Script. But hit that thumbs up, man. Let's try and get as many thumbs up as possible right here for episode 425. Super chats are open. You guys can get them on in. You guys can continue to join the VIP club. Hit that join button down below and become a VIP right here on Off The Script. All you got to do is hit that join button for $4.99. You get emotes. You get those great custom emotes for the live streams and the comment sections on all my videos. You guys get those badges next to your name. You get to show off your VIP status right here on the podcast. So hit that join button. Become a VIP, a channel member right here on Off The Scripts. Go get your t-shirts as usual. Bonfire is the place. Bonfire.com is the exclusive home of Off The Scripts. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. You got everything there, man. I've been uh, going hard since Friday of last week with Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, into WrestleMania, Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite. We're live today. We're going to be live tomorrow for SmackDown. Pretty big SmackDown lined up. We'll go over exactly what's happening on SmackDown as well tomorrow night. So please go check everything out. And if you guys want the audio versions, we are a newly acquired Blue Wire partner, man. I am partnered with Blue Wire Podcasts so you guys 
can have access to the podcast on the audio side of things, Blue Wire, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and all other major audio platforms, man. So thank you guys for the continued success of the podcast. And today's show is sponsored by my great friends once again over at Honey. Join Honey.com slash off the script. You guys are going to save some money when you download the free web browser using our unique link. That is joinhoney.com slash off the scripts. For everybody that downloads the free web browser using our link, you're doing me a favor. That's why Honey wants to be on off the script. That's why Honey wants to be sponsored by off the script. So go check that out and start saving some money using Honey. That's joinhoney.com slash off the scripts. Let's get into all of the major news right at the top, guys. I'm not even going to... Get into the minor stuff. We're going to start hot, and we're going to get into this Nash Carter situation. Nash Carter of MSK, one half of the NXT, newly crowned tag team champions. Nash Carter was released by WWE. And a lot of people claim that he was released because of the domestic violence allegations brought against him by his ex-wife, Kimberly who is a knockout in the Impact Women's Division. Why was he fired? He wasn't fired for the domestic violence allegations. He was fired for an eight-year-old photo of him. I guess he was shaving in his bathroom. He trimmed his facial hair and his beard to look like that of Hitler, reminiscent of Hitler. And this photo was posted in the shitstorm that was Kimberly on her Twitter account this week, WWE fired him not for the domestic allegations, but for the photo of his Hitler mustache. And that is according to Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. I find that to be utterly fucking ridiculous. Eight years. Eight years. I get that people joke around. That's a fucked up way to joke around. I mean, I shave maybe once every week and a half if I'm lucky. I haven't shaven in two weeks. I got lazy. Pardon me. Pardon my appearance. I still look damn good, though. But I never shaved my face to a point where I tried to, hmm, I wonder what I would look like if I shaved my facial hair and looked like Hitler. You're a complete blithering idiot if you go and do that. But this was a private photo. This was a photo that was meant for Kimberly and Nash Carter, and that was it. Or whoever else he sent this photo to. Can't really trust anybody nowadays, can you? So, I get he was joking around, but that's some weird, fucked up, morbid way to joke around. And it's really no positive on his friend's behalf, who want to blast him in his weakest moment here. So on today's Wrestling Observer Newsletter, or Wrestling Observer Live, I should say, it was live with Alvarez and Meltzer, Dave Meltzer talked about the circumstances behind Nash Carter's firing from WWE. As noted on Wednesday, Carter was fired for domestic violence allegations from Impact's knockout, Kimberly. Meltzer says, this is a really weird situation because he was fired for the Hitler picture. The other allegations is not what he was fired for, said Dave Meltzer. Meltzer then later stated, again on the show, that it was the photo that got him fired. He added, 
You have to understand Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon had allegations against him multiple times over the years. So if he is to believe that Carter is innocent, then he has to presume that other people that claims are made about may be innocent as well. So he's not a guy who is going to fire everybody the minute somebody has to say something about somebody in this allegation situation. In this case, Kimberly against Nash Carter. He's not going to fire everybody the minute somebody says something. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the situation. Meltzer added that there is sympathy for Nash Carter amongst people in NXT, including Gigi Dolan. Now, this is a major, major factor in why Nash Carter and Kimberly have this mudslinging going around on social media. He said, in NXT, this is from Meltzer, in NXT, they are very sympathetic towards him, especially Gigi Dolan. Of course, from Gigi Dolan, because she is the girlfriend of Nash Carter. That's something that I just found out today from Dave Meltzer. I don't know why Dave Meltzer would put that out there if that is not the case and that is not the truth. Dolan said the following on Twitter after Carter was fired. She says, this world makes me sick. Now, Wesley's wife, Wesley, the the tag team partner of Nash Carter, Erica Marie has been tweeting that Carter is innocent. She said that Kimberly was served with divorce papers on Monday and she was mad about that. She added that Carter had been living with her and Wes for months. She tweeted, just so everyone is aware, at Nash Carter, WWE has been living with Wes and I for months ever since she was in the hospital, she being Kimberly, which she checked herself into. He's actually been the one trying to avoid her and her mental abuse. They haven't been together. He went to one therapy session. So Alvarez, Alvarez went on to talk about this and the Hitler photo that Meltzer had mentioned in his take on it. Alvarez said, and I quote, what I was told is the reason that they won the tag team titles this weekend, even though the allegations were out there, the reason that happened was because it was not believed that Kimberly and her story was reliable. That was what I was told. They did not believe her story. NXT, I don't know what kind of investigations they do. I don't know what happened. Whatever happened, they determined that she was not credible. That's why they put the tag team titles on MSK. That's pretty damning right there. So Meltzer and Alvarez both claimed the same thing. They both heard the same thing. And Alvarez went a step further and said that WWE management put the tag team titles on MSK even when they knew about the allegations and they claimed that Kimberly was not credible, so they were comfortable in their decisions doing so. Alvarez added that the Creed brothers were told to bring their family to stand and deliver, which indicates that there might have been plans for them 
to win the titles, which I thought was going to be the case. They were the odds-on favorite, in my opinion, to win the tag team championships because I didn't really think MSK made sense with what we've seen. And I thought Imperium was probably more than likely going to drop the titles because I felt like Imperium was going to get called up to the main roster, which we will talk about because there is news on that in just a little bit. He thought the Creed's being told to bring their family to stand and deliver, that they may end up winning the titles. That did not pan out, and MSK won the tag team titles. I didn't know this 100%, but everybody was going into Saturday and thought the Creed's were going to win. All I can tell you is that the Creed's were told to have your family at the show, so I think the Creed's also thought they were winning. For whatever reasons, they put the belts on MSK. Alvarez then added, they were breaking up Imperium because I think the idea was it or was going to be Marcel and Gunther going up to the main roster and poor Fabian Eichner was going to be a singles guy in NXT. Now that there is no more MSK, I'm thinking that Imperium may be staying down there. Now we've got vacant tag team titles. The whole situation is mind-blowing to me. I've heard that there are many people in NXT that are on Nash Carter's side for whatever reason you want to make of that. End quote. This is a fucked up situation, guys. This this is a fucked up situation. Enzo Amore. You guys know Enzo. Enzo was in a situation where he had similar allegations brought against him. And Enzo ended up being cleared of all of the charges. WWE fired him before any determination was made about the allegations. He ended up being not guilty. He ended up being not guilty, but they ended up firing him before a determination on that was made. Now, Enzo was reportedly a headache in the locker room, so WWE probably had more than one reason to get rid of him, and they got rid of him because it was more likely his behavior backstage in WWE more so than the allegations, which I'm glad on his behalf was proven to be innocent, and he could still go out there and do what he needs to do without that blemish on his reputation. Fine. That's a that's a little bit of a different situation there. He was a headache backstage. I, I never heard anything bad about Nash Carter backstage in WWE in NXT. Velveteen Dream is another one. Velveteen Dream and NXT did investigations, and it was said that NXT did investigations. I believe Triple H at one point said that there were investigations into what Velveteen Dream, Patrick Clark, was accused of, and he was let go as well, but it was then reported that he was let go not because of the allegations, but because of his diva-like backstage behavior, and he got into a major argument with several talent backstage and trainers backstage. He thought who he was. And they figured, let's get rid of him. He's too much of a headache. He's got a bright future, a great upside. And we're going to end up getting rid of him because of his backstage behavior. It's not the type of environment that Triple H was creating in NXT. We always heard about Triple H creating a very family-orientated environment inside the Performance Center and in Full Sail University when NXT was there. Patrick Clark went against that. And NXT management... And Patrick Clark have vehemently come out and said that all the allegations, there were investigations against him, and everything was wiped clean. Everything was proven 
to be innocent on Patrick Clark's behalf. Now, that doesn't wipe the record clean of Patrick Clark. You're going to think what you want to think about Patrick Clark. Promoters and companies are going to think what they want about Patrick Clark. He'll never find work again. He'll never find work again for what he was accused of. And if anybody, and it has been a situation where they tried to book him foolishly so soon after the allegations were still fresh, they had to retract his appearance because fans and people in the community blasted said promoters and promotions for featuring somebody like that on their show. He'll never wrestle again. And that sucks because Patrick Clark he was, and don't bullshit me, he was a favorite of a lot of people. He was one of my favorites down there. He was great. A lot of great potential in Patrick Clark. I even went out when he was in NXT, when NXT was in the thick of it, at one hour on the WWE Network, we talked about Patrick Clark main event at WrestleMania. The Velveteen Dream was fucking great. And he ruined it all. He ruined it all. Now, he'll never wrestle again. And Nash Carter in this situation... I honestly think WWE jumped the gun on this. I really do. If if WWE and the allegations, they knew about the allegations beforehand and they opted to put the tag team titles on MSK and they knew about the allegations set forth by Kimberly and they were comfortable enough to put the tag team titles on them, why did they end up firing him for a eight-year-old photo? And what I find funny is a lot of people are taking sides on social media Right from the gate, Kimberly should have never brought this to the public limelight. I've been reading a lot of different stories about how she's all messed up and that her story continues to flip-flop back and forth and she has gone back and deleted tweets. She even lied directly to Wesley's wife on social media, claiming that she did not know her. Meanwhile, Wesley's wife, Erica Marie, came up and dug up old photos of everybody together. They all attended each other's wedding. Texts, asking to hang out, fucking personal texts and personal information. She's got it all. Meanwhile, Kimberly went out there and said that, I don't know who you are. And she ended up blocking Erica Marie, Wesley's wife, on social media, which adds to her unstable mentality. Yes, you want to block somebody that clearly is throwing dirt right back at you. Apparently, that is the truth, and you don't want to hear anything of it because you want some sub story for what you are slinging on social media. I'm not here to judge anybody. It should have never made social media, ever. You know, there's an option on social media where you could limit who sees your tweets and limit who is able to interact with your tweets. I do it sometimes because I don't want to shitstorm about some fucking opinion that I have when it comes to a certain story. When it's big enough, I disable comments and I only allow people that I follow to comment on my shit. She could have did that. Now you got the fans involved. Now it's a complete mud show fucking shit show. Now you got the fans involved. The fans, when they get involved, man, it makes it so much more difficult to find out what the fucking truth is. This is the cancer, the bane of social media's existence. Now you got these fucking neckbeards and you got these social degenerates on Twitter that got no life fucking talking about this because they got nothing else going on in their life. And now they're picking sides and they're drumming up more shit that really isn't necessary. It's not necessary. It didn't need to be on social media. And these fans sicken me. They think they know everything about Nash Carter and Kimberly. You don't know shit. 
You're a fucking fan. You don't know anything about the situation. Nobody should be here criticizing Kimberly as far as what the fucking truth is and what not the truth is. We don't know what the fucking story is. The only people that know what the fucking story is is Kimberly and Nash Carter. That's it. And it's going to stay that way. And NXT and WWE management. That is it. Nobody else should be getting involved. But I do find it funny. I do find it funny how certain things happened here. You know, all I needed to see was the name Gigi Dolan in the story. Everybody sees Gigi Dolan in this story, and you're going to really think one thing and then another thing. Nash Carter's dating Gigi Dolan, according to Dave Meltzer. I don't know why he would put that out there. That type of information, if he's wrong on that, that's a pretty damning fucking fact that you got wrong, right? So he put that out there. That's all I needed to see. Nash Carter dating the obviously more attractive Gigi Dolan, and she got served. She got served divorce papers, Kimberly. So who is the ex-wife scorned here? That's what everybody is going to see from the surface, from the outside looking in on this situation. So it's very easy to come up with a conclusion if you're on social media and you're diving into this bullshit about Kimberly getting served divorce papers, finding out that Nash Carter is dating Gigi Dolan, and you are an ex-wife scorned, and you will do everything in your power to get back at your ex-husband and try and ruin his career. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. And if that's the case, that is fucking so wrong on her end. It really is. And I hate people like that, man. I fucking hate people like that. Who the fuck are you to ruin somebody else's career because shit didn't go right in your relationship? That's fucked up. And then on top of that, getting served divorce papers on that Monday, she held back on pictures that she posted when she got these divorce papers that we don't know where they came from. Everybody's, all the social media police All the social media police are out there. Oh my God. Oh my God. This and that. Oh my God. We don't know where these fucking pictures came from. Why are you making conclusions on on something that you have no fucking idea about? It's none of your business. It's none of your business. The picture that got him fired, supposedly, is eight years old. Eight years old. It is a personal photo. She went on social media and claimed that she had evidence and whatever the fuck the case may be. So she may have used these pictures as blackmail. Look at what she did to this guy's career. We don't know. Then she posted pictures about, you know, Nash Carter supposedly beating her up. Again, we don't know. We don't know. Physical abuse against Kimberly. We don't know. If that's the case and somebody did find out that that was the case, he should be fired. No question. I live in a family. I have family. That goes through physical abuse. If you hit a woman, you should be put six feet under. You are a complete piece of shit. You're not a human at that point. I would never in my entire being raise my hands to a woman. Ever. No matter what the situation is. We don't know about their personal life. It may or may not have happened. But people are jumping to to conclusions based off these two photos that she posted on social media. Did anybody come to the conclusion that she is a professional wrestler? She could have gotten these pictures uh, taken when she had just finished the match. We don't know if Nash Carter really beat her up or hit her. She posted these pictures to showcase the social media 
and everybody jumps to the conclusion, oh, Nash Carter's a piece of shit. She's a professional wrestler. She gets beat up for a living. She takes bumps for a living. She could have been beat up and injured and cut up in the ring while at her job. I don't understand it. Social media should not be a platform for guilty or innocent. WWE supposedly went on and did an investigation. So much so that they were confident to put the tag team titles on MSK. They claimed that Kimberly's evidence was not credible. They thought her story was not credible. That is all you need to know. WWE did investigations just like they did for Patrick Clark, just like they did for Nash Carter, and like they will do for everybody that gets into these situations and everybody that was blasted in the Me Too more speaking out movement that they fired. They fired some NXT UK talent, right? They fired, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gallagher, Jack Gallagher, for bullshit that he was accused of. They fired him. They did an investigation. They found it to be guilty. And he may have come forth with that information as well and said, yeah, I fucked up, and they they let him go. It's not like WWE doesn't do investigations on this shit. They conducted an investigation, and what was determined was they were all bullshit, and the accusations were bullshit, and we're going to put the tag team titles on because we want them to be tag team champions in NXT. I don't understand this. It is so fucked up. Social media should not be used in the situation of one guy's career hanging in the balance. Now he's gone. Who's to say he may be, may be brought back or not? I don't know. I don't know. But what you do now is you give in to cancel culture and you gave in because of an eight-year-old photo that everybody claimed was an eight-year-old photo and he was sporting around a Hitler mustache. Now, granted, it's fucked up, And nobody should be doing things like that, but it was a personal photo that really should never have been brought to the public's attention. It was used in a way to get back at him. That's the way it looks. I don't like that. You ruined a man's career because you apparently were divorced and he went on to have some other relationship that apparently he deems right for him to make him happy. He wasn't happy. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. So the ex-wife scorned bullshit. That's the way it comes off to me. And I feel sorry for everybody in this. I feel sorry for her. I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for his friends and family. I feel sorry for the fans. 
Now NXT doesn't have tag team champions. They just booked a match on Tuesday, and they even said it on Tuesday during the review. With all the allegations, it looks like that Grayson Waller and Sanga are going to be the new tag team champions, and they'll probably take the tag team titles off of MSK and conduct some investigation. Now there's no investigation to conduct. They fucking fired him. Now we got vacant tag team titles, which now is giving NXT one less tag team in an already terrible tag team division where you broke up Imperium, or at least about to break up Imperium. MSK, I feel bad for Wesley now. The fuck is Wesley going to do? Wesley is now all by himself in a tag team that was made. Now he's got to go on and wrestle without his tag team partner. The fuck are you going to do about that? I don't see him lasting there now. That was him. That was his act. That was his career. That was his life. You actively, you know, not I don't want to say ruined his life, but you, you really created a roadblock for him that he didn't really deserve. This is a fucked up situation, man. Really, really fucked up situation. I feel bad for Nash. I feel bad for Wes. I feel bad for Gigi. I feel bad for Kimberly and all the fans. This is the type of information that should remain public and should be taken care of in a public manner. You want to sling mud on social media, the fans get involved, and then it makes the headlines, and everybody's talking about shit as if they know what happened. You don't know fucking shit. You don't know shit. Fans pretending like you know these people's personal lives. You're a fan for a fucking reason. Remain a fan. That's it. There's a wall there between personal and wrestler. You are on the wrestler side. You have nothing to do with their personal life. So shut the fuck up and stop acting like you know these fucking people and know what's right and wrong and stop taking social media as, oh my God, yes, let's let's use Twitter as a, a court of law, a viable court of law. What a joke. Complete fucking joke. Cancel culture is the fucking worst, man. It really is. I'll update you guys on what happens, man. Maybe they bring him back. I have no idea. Maybe they bring him back. Eight years that photo was taken. I think it's a little harsh for somebody to be fired over a fucking stupid, no matter how stupid it is, a photo of what he was photographed as. I find it stupid and harsh to fire somebody over something like that. Eight years, eight fucking, almost a decade where the picture was taken. You could clearly see that he was a younger, a younger self. He looks nothing like he looks in the photo now, but they fired him. They fired him. So I'll keep you guys updated on that. And it is just a a shitty situation for all involved. Speaking of shitty situations, man, WWE Hall of Famer, Sonny, Tammy Sitch. She was involved in a fatal three car crash. Not herself, per se, but she was the reason for this fatal three-car crash. Now, let me go back in time. Let me do a, uh, a Kushida and go back in time. This was case number one, and there are plenty of cases, but I'm just going uh, on what really just recently happened. The story of Tammy Sitch. Per court records, she was arrested in Keensburg, New Jersey, taken into custody at 11 a.m. This is this year, by the way. We're only in April. Keensburg, New Jersey, taken into custody at 11 a.m. Records state that she was hit with three charges. Two charges are for illegally possessing a weapon and one charge for terroristic threats. 
TMZ added that it does not appear that the weapon was a firearm. Don't know what the weapon was. Anything could really be used as a weapon. Then another story came out, TMZ once again reported, that per court documents, law enforcement officials say that Sitch was involved in a domestic dispute before her arrest on a random Thursday earlier this year, and that things could have turned fatal. Police officers say that Sitch allegedly raised a pair of scissors, pair of scissors towards her intimate partner, I'm assuming her boyfriend at the time, and then threatened to kill him. It's unclear how the alleged incident began. I'm sure it was all alcohol and drug related. Number three, WrestlingNews.co learned that Tammy Sitch was arrested on 224 in Keensburg, New Jersey. Again, operating under the influence of liquor or drugs, driving after registration suspended, driver license suspended, revoked, Careless driving, likely to endanger person or property. Reckless driving, failure to wear seat equipment responsibly of uh, what needs to be done. Driving without a license, failed uh, possession of a driver's license, fail to possess driver license and have a regular driver's license issued to the police officer. Failure to install interlock, drive car without interlock, operate motor vehicle during license suspension, second violation. This woman is a fucking mess. How could somebody live their life like that, knowing that you got all of this happening to you and then continue to make mistakes? If I had my license revoked for alcohol abuse and getting behind the wheel, I don't really understand why you're, why you're possessed to get behind the wheel. You have a fucking problem. You have a problem. Somebody needs to step in. Family, friends, somebody needs to step in and admit her to a fucking asylum somewhere where she could get help. It may be beyond the point of her getting help. So now the latest. Ormond Beach Observer is reporting that Tammy Sitch was involved in a fatal three-car crash on Friday, March 25th. Florida police say the investigation is ongoing and criminal charges could be filed. The police press release states that Sitch failed to stop around 8.28 p.m. on uh, US-1, that is north of Granada Boulevard, and she crashed into a stopped vehicle. The vehicle was crashed into and then crashed into the vehicle in front of it, according to police. Police say Julian LaFrancis, the driver that was hit by Sitch's vehicle, was pronounced dead at Halifax Health Medical Center. Sitch was also transported to the same medical center and later released. Police say they obtained a blood sample to find out if Lynch was impaired at the time of the crash the driver of the third vehicle injured uh, was suffered injuries, but was not transferred to the hospital, according to police. This woman needs to be behind bars in a mental asylum. She needs to be taken off the streets. She needs to be taken out of human society until a determination is made on where she should really spend the rest of her days. This woman is a menace to society. It is very difficult to fucking care about somebody and feel bad for somebody when they continue to make the same fucking mistakes over and over and over again, man, there's always that sense of feeling bad for somebody when they make a mistake. People can grow from that mistake. People can do better when they're given a second opportunity. Nobody, nobody except God himself 
should be the determination on whether or not somebody deserves a second chance. Nobody. Everybody deserves a second chance if it is within the boundaries. I mean, if you're going to go out and fucking kill somebody behind the wheel, I don't think Tammy Six deserves any more fucking opportunities. Seriously. Tammy, Sh- Tammy Six deserves to be locked behind bars for the rest of her days, man. She is a menace to fucking human society. There, there is a line that needs to be drawn here. It is very difficult to feel bad for her at this stage of her life. And the fucked up thing is, she's a WWE Hall of Famer. And everybody is crying that China is not in the Hall of Fame. What did China do? What did China do to deserve the backlash that she got? Right? We all have our demons. We all have our problems. This woman now is out there committing murder when she should not ever be behind the wheel ever again. And people are crying that she is a menace to society, which she is. She's a WWE Hall of Famer, which she is. But China is not in the Hall of Fame. These are the things that I read on social media. This woman is a fucking disgrace. A complete and utter disgrace. I don't feel sorry for her whatsoever. You mess up once, fine. You mess up twice, okay. You got one more, three strikes and you're out, they say, right? She, she's had fucking, what is this? This is, uh, she's literally batting zero here. She's batting zero. And at that point, you get no more chances. Get this woman off the streets and get her some fucking help. Next time, she's going to end up killing herself. WWE producer Pat Buck. Pat Buck. He quit the company after WrestleMania. WWE was riding high after WrestleMania. Man, people were praising WWE. Night one of WrestleMania. I even came on here, man, in front of 5,500 live viewers saying that WrestleMania night one was one of the best WrestleManias that I've seen since 31. And I stand by that. I even went out there and said, if WWE cut out all the fluff and they really made this into a one-night show, this may be one of the best WrestleManias of all time. If it was really consolidated into a one-show WrestleMania. But WWE was riding high. Night one was great. Night two, not so much. There were things to like about night two, but not so much. The Johnny Knoxville match was a fucking embarrassment. The Roman Reigns match with Brock Lesnar was an utter and complete fail. And a lot of what we saw on night two just did not measure up to night one. But Pat Buck quit the company. Monday Night Raw, WWE had the highest rated Monday Night Raw show in over a year on Monday. A lot of that has to do with Cody Rhodes, obviously. But WWE Raw had its highest rating in over 12 months on Monday. Now, it's going to be very interesting to see if they can keep that up. But Pat Buck quit. Why did he quit? Why is he no longer working for WWE? Well, PW Insider reported that Pat Buck officially resigned from the company in the afternoon earlier in this week, I believe, on Tuesday. The word going around WWE is the reason he quit is because he wanted to leave because he wanted to achieve goals of producing main events on the biggest show of the year, WrestleMania, and wanted to refocus his energy on his family. He felt he couldn't consistently do that to the busy WWE schedule. So he was made into a producer. Let me get this straight. He was made into a producer, and he wasn't really producing all that long 
I don't really know the extent of how long he was there, but he hasn't been there all that long. He wanted to produce and get to the stage of WrestleMania to produce matches for WWE and then walk away. He was obviously given a contract, right? He was given a contract and he has to, you know, adhere and abide to those contracts, the, the, the stipulations in the contract, right? You can't just leave and just get up. He made it to WrestleMania, produced two matches in general, which I'll get to in a second, at WrestleMania, and then leaves. And then cites he wants to spend more energy on his family. He took to Twitter and posted photos in a notes app. So he had a note statement made on his phone, and he posted the note to social media. He says, and I quote, As a producer agent, I feel that I have accomplished everything I wanted to do within WWE in the last three years. There you go, three years. He wasn't there that long. To my producer brothers and sister, you are the greatest collection of misfits that I've ever been with. I already miss my second family. Thank you to John Laurinaitis for bringing me into this wonderful group. And thank you, Freebird, for being our soul, our, our foul-mouthed general, Michael Hayes. And to my fellow New Yorker, Paul Heyman, thanks for providing me a mitzvah and helping this Gentile out. Sending love to the production truck, stage crew, parking, travel, makeup, photo, digital, security, IT, Writers, props, social, legal, seamsters, live events, medical, and other, any other department that I've leaned on for something. I look forward to using my new time to return slash expand my training, schools and promotions, working all over and sleeping in my own bed more than twice a week. To my darling wife, Lauren and baby Harrison, I don't know how you put up with this gypsy. I love you both. Dada will be home soon. The matches that he produced at WrestleMania, the matches that he produced at WrestleMania, Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey, and Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, two of the most critically panned matches all WrestleMania weekend. Reigns and Lesnar was one of the worst WrestleMania main events I have ever seen. It's not as bad as Ms. John Cena, but it wasn't really a match that lived up to the hype of biggest WrestleMania match of all time. It was nothing near the most important match in WWE history, given the stakes that were on the line, a unification match for the Universal and WWE titles. The match sucked. If you saw one Lesnar and Reigns match, You saw them all. This match was a joke. And Reigns and Lesnar still, after all that they have been through, have not topped WrestleMania 31. That's pretty fucking sad. You got a Roman Reigns in the Tribal Chief and a Brock Lesnar now who was having the time of his life. And you got two of these guys who should be a lot better off now than they were seven years ago. And you could not produce a better match than WrestleMania 31? You know, they always say that the sequel usually has a tough time living up to the original. WWE's been through this Lesnar Reigns song and dance multiple times through multiple WrestleMania main events overseas in Saudi Arabia, and every fucking one of them have been the same fucking match. Suplex, suplex, suplex. 
F5, Superman Punch, F5, Spear, F5, Suplex, Superman Punch, Kimura Lock, F5, Spear. You know, this ain't a fucking video game. Spamming finishers unlimited because you're having a fucking great time. And then Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey, don't even get me started. That shit was a fucking joke. Ric Flair was clearly on some type of medication because he can't be that fucking biased and he can't be that fucking blind. He went on social media and said that Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair was the greatest women's match he's ever seen. Rick, I don't know if your eyesight's going to your old age, but I think you need to put the fucking phone down, bro. Seriously. This match doesn't even hold a fucking candle to what Sasha and Bayley did for the women's division. You gotta be a fucking complete and utter fool to believe the words that came out of Ric Flair's mouth after that match was over. I don't even think Charlotte Flair would go out and say that was the greatest women's match of all time. And Ronda Rousey reportedly got up and walked away and was very angry when she found out about the main event spot being taken away from her. She went on social media and claimed that it was, oh, I left the Hall of Fame because I got a baby to feed. I don't believe that story for one single fucking second. Ronda Rousey's being brought in and being given the fucking princess treatment. One minute she's told that she's the main event of WrestleMania. That's why she's making the big bucks. And then the next minute she's told that she's being bumped for a KO show. Yes, I'm sure Ronda Rousey is not unhappy at all. Give me a fucking break. Not everything you read on social media is the legit truth, folks. Stop believing everything you read, really. There is absolutely no credible evidence because Ronda Rousey tweeted it out that it is the way she said it is. Was she upset? I would bet some money that she is and was upset. So Pat Buck produced these two matches. They were the two worst matches of the entire weekend. I'm sure that had nothing to do with why he left, right? Because if he loved his job so much, why wouldn't he go and continue to produce matches that were and should have been bangers in WWE, why doesn't he continue doing that with WWE and now leaves them one producer short? I don't think they're struggling to find producers. Everybody's a fucking producer backstage. But the simple fact of the matter that, you know, someone can post something on social media and explain their side, and you're wrong if you come up with any other fucking argument about why they left. You're you're treated as, oh, you're, you're a misinformed mark. You're a mark. These were two of the worst WrestleMania matches of the entire fucking weekend, one being one of the worst main events in the history of the event, and you mean to tell me that had nothing to do with why he left? Roman Reigns got hurt. That's another thing. Roman Reigns was legit injured to a point we'll never find out because WWE is not going to divulge that information, right? Roman Reigns was legit hurt in a match that Pat Buck produced. Roman Reigns should be treated as a fucking absolute priority in any sense of the word. This man should be fucking carted around in a glass fucking case everywhere he goes. Without Roman, this company is finished. Without Roman, SmackDown might as well just be canceled at that point. They got nothing. And you mean to tell me that all of this has nothing to do with why Pat Buck left, right? Sure thing. Sure thing. You could go home and make a statement about wanting to be with your family and, and do your, uh, your little indie fucking uh, training school, whatever the case may be. The simple fact of the matter is these two matches happened at WrestleMania. They were shit on by the majority of the fucking people watching the show, and that had nothing to do with why he left. I'm sure that's the reason. Monday Night Raw. 
Monday Night Raw. 2.1 million viewers for the Raw Aftermania. One of the worst Raw Aftermanias that I've seen in the last several years. This may have been one of the worst. I don't know if it was as worse as last year's, but it's up there. It's up there for sure. Without Cody Rhodes, and I brought this up to everybody's attention because, you know, everybody's still getting on me. Oh, Cody Rhodes is a sellout. J.D. is a WWE shill. He turned his back on AEW. Really, I I wear my AEW hoodie everywhere where I'm live on YouTube, but I hate AEW, right? I critically praise Tony Khan every single time he does something right. I shit on him when he does something wrong. A lot of people don't really handle the truth all that well. I am one of the most fair and balanced people that's doing this thing on YouTube when it comes to professional wrestling and talking about professional wrestling. I'm sorry you guys can't handle the fucking truth. Without Cody Rhodes, that show is complete dog shit. Cody Rhodes single-handedly gave Monday Night Raw the only feeling I got that it was the Raw Aftermania. Other than that, it was just a normal fucking bullshit three hours of Monday Night. 2.1 million viewers. The 18 to 49 demo saw the the, the rating go to 0.63, up from 0.55. The last time Raw had over 2 million viewers was back on August 23rd for the SummerSlam fallout. It's the highest total viewership since January of 2021. To compare, last year's WrestleMania fallout did a 0.68 and a 2.026 million viewership. So WWE has Cody Rhodes to thank for Cody Rhodes to show up on Monday Night Raw as the reason why Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania was such a rating success in the Monday Night Raw realm. Now, this is going to be a very close thing to pay attention to. The ratings may be 2.1 and the e-drones may be fucking throwing parades and popping the fucking champagne and the streamers are out and the balloons are flying in the air and the flags are waving high, right? But the thing is, it's WrestleMania weekend. Everything's going to be up for WrestleMania weekend. This is where WWE does their biggest business. No matter what they do, social media impressions, YouTube views, retention, eyes on Peacock, the ratings for WrestleMania, the ratings for Raw, you name it. Merchandise sales are up. Revenue is up across the... It's fucking WrestleMania. So you waving a white flag to praise WWE about, oh my God, look, a 2.1. I want you to keep that same energy four weeks from now when it's right back to a 1.8 with Cody Rhodes on the show. 1.8, 1.7, 1.6. How many people watched that show and thought that that show was a, a right show to put on after Raw, after WrestleMania? I would figure, and if I was in charge, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i nothing but a basement-dwelling virgin, according to some of the fucking people on social media. Don't you think if I was in charge of the show, you'd get the best show possible? Because I know that's what I would do. WWE's riding high off a WrestleMania that was largely praised and you put on a show that's fucking piss poor in a follow-up, you would think that WWE would put their best two feet forward to get people to watch the fucking show going into next week. So all they got was Cody Rhodes and nothing else. So why are you going to watch Monday Night Raw next week? When you see Cody Rhodes, you're going to zone out. When you watch Cody Rhodes next week on Raw, you're going to flip the fucking channel and go do whatever the fuck you usually do 
on a Monday night. WWE failed. That 2.1 is nothing more than a fucking, uh, it's nothing more than a, uh, a wall, a fucking badly fucking shipped paint wall that's just coated with a fresh coat of, coat of paint, and then the, it's sheet paint at that, and, and the wall is going to fucking deteriorate, deteriorate over the next couple of weeks. That's all it is. That's all it is. WWE is, uh, you know, usually, you know, the, these basement-dwelling fucking virgins on social media, man, their rooms smell like shit. It's like them taking fucking Febreze. Oh, look, Ma, I clean my room. When the Febreze goes away in 15 fucking minutes, you're back to smelling the fucking shit that is your room. It's nothing more than a mask. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. JBL left commentary to focus on his youth charity. Thank you, Jesse. That is another great going back to what I just said about Pat Buck. Look at Jesse coming in with the facts. We all know that man bullied Mauro Ronaldo. Jesse says, JBL left commentary to quote-unquote focus on his youth charity immediately after being called out for Moro and the bullying of Moro Ronaldo. Sure he did. Sure, he flew to Jamaica because he wanted to be more involved with his youth charity. Get the fuck out of here, JBL, you fucking piece of shit. Oh my goodness. Monday Night Raw sucked. And we waited all three hours to find out what Roman Reigns was going to say. Ultimately to hear him say, oh, I'll be on Friday. Watch then. I'll give you the update then on Friday. Fuck you, Bruce, and fuck you, WWE. Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins reflects on his WrestleMania match with Cody Rhodes. AEW president, and this has nothing to do with WWE and Seth Rollins, but I wanted to throw this little factoid in there because Tony Khan, he was asked the question about Cody Rhodes showing up on Monday Night Raw, and he obviously said whatever he needed to say and quickly moved on to the next topic. AEW president, And CEO Tony Khan recently spoke to Sports Illustrated where he said that he lost a very prominent free agent in Cody Rhodes, but is right now currently currently focusing on the company's newest crop of talent in Samoa Joe and Tony Storm, to name a few. He says, and I quote to Sports Illustrated, I did lose a very prominent free agent in Cody Rhodes, but we're debuting one on Dynamite this week in Samoa Joe. In the past 30 days, We've also debuted Tony Storm, who was incredible last week in her win against the Bunny and Jeff Hardy, one of the biggest stars in wrestling. We have a lot of excitement happening here, and that is our focus. So Tony Khan never really said anything negative there. He said, yes, I did lose a big free agent in Cody Rhodes. He called Cody Rhodes a big free agent, and he said he did lose a big free agent in in Cody Rhodes. And I'll say it again, Tony Khan doesn't need Cody Rhodes. WWE, as referenced by Raw, needs Cody Rhodes, clearly. Seth Rollins, shifting gears here from TK to Seth Rollins. He shared his thoughts on WrestleMania 38 and Cody Rhodes. Speaking with the gorilla position, WWE's Seth Rollins revealed that he didn't know who his opponent was until Rhodes emerged from the stage. And I hope that's the truth. I hope that's the truth. I really do hope that's the truth. And he's not bullshitting, but he really did know in the end who his opponent would be. I think that would be great. If Seth Rollins was sent out there and he had no fucking clue as to who his opponent was going to be, 
That would be fucking fantastic. That's the way I would want it. I'm pretty sure Rollins would probably want the same thing. But in the pro wrestling landscape, we don't really know. Especially in this type of, you know, sports entertainment is something that is scripted. It's very tough to have something like that on that type of stage. Not really known between either guy. Cody knew he was wrestling Seth Rollins, but Seth Rollins didn't know he was wrestling Cody Rhodes. And they still put on the fucking best match of the entire WrestleMania weekend for WWE. FTR and the Briscoes have the best match all weekend for WWE's uh, WrestleMania weekend because they were all congregated in Dallas. That was the best match in Dallas all weekend. FTR and the Briscoes at Ring of Honor. But this was the best match that occurred at WrestleMania to me, Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes. The fact that they put on that type of match without Seth Rollins knowing his opponent goes to show you the level of talent that both Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes are. He says this, reflecting on Cody Rhodes and the night. I got a lot of mixed emotions about Saturday. It certainly was a moment that will live in time and history in this industry, but I lost. And losing at WrestleMania is not fun. I've been on the losing end of some very important matches at WrestleMania, and I've been on winning, uh, the winning side of some things as well. And losing sucks, no matter how you slice it. The moment will live forever, though. That's how I have to remember it. The moment will live forever. I always tell people those big stadium events, the ring is like the eye of the hurricane. It's very calm, maybe because it's like my zen place. For whatever reason, it feels very calm to me. And it was very surreal watching him come down the ramp, knowing everything he's been through the past six years, seven years, and everything he came back for. It was cool. It was cool to see the reaction. And I was like, in many ways, Happy for him. During the post-WrestleMania media scrum, Cody Rhodes said that his first opponent back couldn't have been anybody else but Seth Rollins. He was known as one of Dusty's kids when Dusty Rhodes worked as a trainer at the WWE Performance Center. Rhodes even added that he hated Dusty's kids during the scrum. When asked about Cody's comments, Seth answered, and I quote, to be able to be in the ring with Cody, for his son's return, uh, meaning Dusty, and really Cody did it his way. He left when he was unhappy. He did all the things that everybody said they wanted to do, and he came back a bigger star than he's ever been, and that's not easy to do. It takes a lot of hard work. He learned that from ethic, and that work ethic came from his father. For him to come back, Those nice things and say those nice things about me, it was all very good, except ha ha ha, the bionic elbow. Seth Rollins confronted Cody Rhodes on Monday Night Raw and he shook his hand and told him, welcome home. They're not done by a long shot. They're not done by a long shot. I do think that they will continue in some way. At least they will be involved for the world title. I don't know what's going to happen with the world title and Roman Reigns. We'll find out tomorrow. It's going to be the big selling point of SmackDown. Is Roman Reigns going to relinquish the title? Is he going to give the WWE title back to Monday Night Raw? I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I honestly think, and you guys know me, I've been saying it for several years now, the brand split ending is probably what's best for WWE. Fuck the networks, fuck Fox, fuck NBCU. They don't know jack shit about what the show needs. But they want separate rosters. So, clearly, we're not getting an ending of a brand split. I could absolutely see WWE doing something along the lines of Roman relinquishing the WWE title, 
having that title go back to Monday Night Raw, and we get some sort of tournament for the WWE title on Monday Night Raw. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know what their plan is, but just off the top of my head, that's what I kind of have a feeling WWE is going to go out there and do on Friday night. But ending the brand split would probably be the best thing for the entirety of the show. Cody apparently is supposed to be on SmackDown. This is according to reports that came out legitimately right before I went live. Cody is supposed to be on SmackDown, but nobody knows if he's going to be used on the show. This is coming from PW Insider. WWE is bringing in several stars for SmackDown, one of them being Cody Rhodes as he's slated to be on the show. Does Cody Rhodes confront Roman Reigns? If he's there, I can't see any other reason why he would be there. It's unclear exactly what WWE has planned for Rhodes, if he will be on the show or not be on the show. Rhodes made his return this past Saturday at WrestleMania 38 in the best match all WrestleMania against Seth Rollins, as you guys are already in the know of. But I love the fact that he didn't know. And I hope that legitimately is the case because God only knows what he was thinking, man. Those facial reactions from Seth Rollins when he saw Cody and heard Cody's theme music, he smiled, he laughed maniacally, and then he got serious. So I was, you know, I was wondering even while I was watching what he was thinking in the moment because I automatically thought that he was in the know. Yeah, you know, Vince told him, yeah, Cody's debuting. Cody's going to be your opponent. But Rollins said, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I didn't know who my opponent was until he came walking down the aisle. That's got to be an amazing fucking feeling, man. I I wish at some point in my life I could really feel what Rollins felt in that moment. Not knowing and then getting that sense of bliss in that moment in front of 80,000 fucking people. It's got to be a big deal, man. Now, Cody cut a great promo. On Monday night. A lot of people were like, oh, Cody Rhodes sounds like a pastor. Oh, Cody Rhodes, blah, blah, blah. It's the same shit that we saw on Dynamite. I thought it was great. Without Cody on Monday Night Raw, that show was the drizzling shits. So was Cody Rhodes' promo scripted from Monday Night Raw? Well, Cody apparently was on the bump. And he talked about this promo. He was on Monday Night Raw. He made his intentions clear. The promo was about how his father was his hero and his father's goals of becoming the WWE champion were never accomplished. He wanted to do it for his father and he failed to give him the title himself while Dusty was still alive, but now is back and he wants to achieve this goal to honor his father. It's a great story to tell. Very simple story to tell. It doesn't take a fucking rocket scientist to figure out how to book Cody Rhodes here. And kudos to WWE, man. You know, I don't trust Bruce, I don't trust Vince, I don't trust John Laurinaitis, I don't trust Nick Khan, I don't trust any of them, I don't trust the company, but I gotta give them the credit that they deserve, doesn't happen all the time, but I gotta give them the credit that they deserve, from Saturday on into Monday, Cody Rhodes and the presentation of Cody Rhodes has been absolutely spot on, grand slam perfect. Will it stay that way? I don't know. WWE likes to have the flavor of the month. Cody may be the flavor of the next six months. Who's to say that Cody isn't getting buried by month seven? We don't know. It's in WWE's DNA to go and do such things. We've seen it happen way too many times in the past. So I'm not really sold on it. But from what we see so far in two appearances, Cody Rhodes has been booked perfectly. You gotta give WWE that much 
because they could have easily taken Cody Rhodes from AEW and changed something about him that would not be right. And they took everything that we saw on Dynamite and let it happen on AEW or let it happen on WWE television from AEW television. The theme, the presentation, the American Nightmare, him cutting a promo the way he used to cut promos in AEW. Same thing. Same thing. So thumbs up for them finally doing something that made sense. So he was on the bump. I didn't watch this because I, I can't stand the people on the bump, man. They are so fucking cringe. I can't listen to people speak in this over-the-top, joyous, happy, oh my God, everything is great. Can't listen to it. Can't listen to it. He says, I was just able to go out and speak in an unscripted, raw fashion and tell a story about my dad that not everybody knows. I actually have the title I spoke about, but not everybody knows that story. That was my original thing and the whole origin story on wanting to be a wrestler. So to be able to tell the world that was very special to me. He described the promo as incredibly real, from the heart, and not scripted. He said it was a good precedent to set for him regarding being back in WWE and to be a part of the team. He said he knows what he's doing with a microphone in his hand and he doesn't need to be told what to say. That is true. But clearly, Cody Rhodes doesn't know who he works for the micromanaging, and they think they know what is best and fuck what the pro wrestler feels and thinks. You belong to us. You do what we want you to do. You say what we want you to say. Now, it didn't sound like that. It sounded like a Cody Rhodes promo. It sounded genuinely like Cody Rhodes, the crying, talking about his father and talking about his daughter, Liberty, and talking about Brandy, and him getting emotional. I even got a little teary-eyed because I very much enjoy Cody Rhodes. But ringside news and their head writer over there, their head guy, Steve, over at ringside news who, who broke a lot of exclusive and is rarely wrong. When he does an exclusive, he's got some sources. He asked around about Cody Rhodes' promo on Raw this week. A member of the Raw writing team confirmed to us at Ringside News that his promo was 100% scripted. We were told here that Cody Rhodes' promo was scripted and approved by Vince on Friday. Cody had a nice long promo to start Raw this week, which I just told you about what it really went into. But it was scripted down to the pause that he took before asking, and I quote, or did it, Vince McMahon also made notes to the script about the handshake with Seth Rollins and who would extend their hand first. I think ringside news exclusives are thumbs up. I, I know that they get shit on a lot and they have a reputation from a lot of people in the community for being a site that divulges misinformation, but the exclusives have not. More times than not, they've actually come true. And more times than not, it's what we see on TV. I don't know who told them this particular piece of information. If that is the case, then somebody was really watching Cody Rhodes for the last six fucking years to pen a promo that sounded legitimately as if Cody Rhodes penned the promo himself. I don't believe this for a second. 
It may have been scripted, but it may have been written by Cody to get approved by Vince. That's what I think is the situation here. I, I don't think that Vince McMahon wrote that promo. I don't think Bruce Pritchard wrote that promo. You know, maybe they did. I have, listen, maybe they did, and Cody is just so good at what he does that he made it sound like it was an unscripted promo. But I don't know if Cody signed on with WWE to be already handcuffed on night two. Now, we all know that he's eventually going to get handcuffed, and the flavor of the month is going to go bye-bye sooner rather than later. But I don't think that really sounded like a Bruce or Vince promo. It sounded like a Cody Rhodes promo, and I honestly think Cody penned it and then obviously gave it to approval to Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard. I don't know. That's the way I see it. All they did was copy and paste his other promos. Seriously. Jesse says in the chat, all they did was copy and paste his promos. It could have been something that they did. Let me go back and listen to one of Cody Rhodes' older promos about his father, and we'll just do the same thing and pawn it off on our show as if it's original. Maybe that's what they did. Maybe that's what they did. And maybe that's why it came off so fluently and so organic for Cody Rhodes, because it was legitimately something that they plagiarized from AEW television. But I honestly think, again, and this is one of the things about Cody coming over, do not send him out there with a script. Let him go out there and cut a promo. He's a businessman. He's a company man. He's not going to say anything off the cuff. I think Cody's one of those guys that you could genuinely trust to go out there with bullet points and have him say what he needs to say because it's going to come off as more genuine than if anybody else said it. And you don't want Cody Rhodes to come off like anybody else. That's not what is going to attract fans to what Cody Rhodes is doing. Becky Lynch. Let's switch gears here, man. Becky Lynch, she had the second best match of WrestleMania with Bianca Belair. Becky Lynch apparently has confirmed now, this doesn't really matter to what's going on now and what Becky Lynch is going to be doing moving forward. It could certainly be something that we see in the future, and I for sure hope we do. But this has nothing to do with what I'm about to tell you. Has nothing to do with either person now on WWE television. Becky Lynch confirmed that WWE passed on a number of plans for her return against Bayley. They opted to wait and save her for SummerSlam. Back in July 2021, Bailey suffered a torn ACL during a training session at the Performance Center ahead of WWE's return to live touring. WWE at the time, when Bailey got hurt, she went down training, and WWE wanted all of their talent to get back into in ring shape with a live audience. So they sent them down to the Performance Center. To get more reps in. Bailey got hurt doing more reps when she was one of the people that probably did not need reps. She carried the fucking pandemic era with Sasha Banks on her back. She didn't need any reps. WWE cost Bailey more than 12 months of her career. At the time, Fightful reported that Bailey was chain wrestling as part of the training session when her knee popped. WWE apparently passed and rejected a number of pitches for Bayley at WrestleMania 37 in Tampa last year. This was before she got hurt. She got hurt in July. WrestleMania took place in Tampa in March. According to Fightful Select, Becky Lynch confirmed that there were conversations about her making a return at WrestleMania 37 to work with Bayley. Lynch wanted the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion to have her big moments 
but it never came to fruition. Fightful reached out to those working in creative at the time and confirmed that there were exhaustive number of pitches to get Bailey more involved in WrestleMania. There was even a heavy push for Bailey to host a talk show. Remember her talk show, Ding Dong, Hello! That did not get the okay either, and those ideas were passed on as well. There was even a pitch to get her to host the show alongside Hulk Hogan and Titus O'Neil. Long-term cooking, Titus O'Neil. I don't know why WWE did not want did not want to include Bailey in anything. Bailey didn't really have much of anything going on at WrestleMania, which sucked. And you kind of felt that way because WWE was putting everything in Sasha and everything in Bianca, and then she kind of got put on the bench. And that's not really what she deserved after carrying the SmackDown Women's Division and the pandemic era on her back, and she got shit for it at WrestleMania. And everybody was looking forward to live fans in attendance, and Bayley did not get that opportunity. For Becky Lynch, and I know it would be a great match then and now, and I do think that WWE is going to revisit this at some point when they can, because both of them will be back on television at the same time this year, and I hope that Bailey gets placed on Monday Night Raw because desperately that division needs something outside of what we got. But I can understand WWE's stance on Becky Lynch. You know, who's to say Becky Lynch was going to be right for her return at WrestleMania? It may have been too soon. She, she might not have been able to come back after giving birth. So WWE... They opted to say, you know what? You may not be ready. We don't want to risk you. WrestleMania is only in front of 25,000 people on night one and night two. We're going to hold off. You're the biggest women's superstar that we got. And I honestly think we want to build a bigger stage for you. And I think it would be right to build a bigger stage for you. So instead of WrestleMania, we're going to get back to live touring. We're going to have a first full-fledged show at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. It's going to be 50,000 people. We're going to debut there, Becky Lynch, and we're going to play it off as if it's WrestleMania done over, but not really be WrestleMania SummerSlam. That's why I think WWE did it. They did it because they felt like Becky Lynch debuting there would have been kind of lame, and it wouldn't have been played off as something as a big deal because they went right back to the Thunderdome after that. They didn't go back to live touring until right before SummerSlam. So they didn't want Becky Lynch on TV debuting in front of live audiences, and then Becky Lynch back, and then Becky Lynch in the Thunderdome. They didn't want that. They think very highly of Becky Lynch, and they thought better to put her at SummerSlam. The creative plans at SummerSlam were a fucking dog shit, and none of it should have ever happened. SummerSlam was the right place. It was just not the right situation. WWE seems to be teasing a new heel turn for Rhea Ripley, And a new member of Edge's stable could be Tommaso Ciampa, along with Rhea Ripley. Monday night, WWE began teasing a heel turn for Rhea Ripley. I've seen on Monday night, Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley lost to the women's tag team champion, Sasha Banks and Naomi. After the match, Rhea Ripley walked out on her tag team partner, but they seemingly patched things up later in the show when Rhea told Liv that she was able to get a rematch on next week's show. Rhea tweeted, I like winning. At times I get emotional, 
but I'm so grateful to have someone as understanding as Liv Morgan by my side. I love you. All seems well for now, but the rematch, A, doesn't make sense. And if you've been watching wrestling as long as I have, and you're in the know by what you just see on television, you could see, see a heel coming, a heel turn coming from a mile away for Rhea Ripley. And I think this is absolutely one of the best booking decisions that WWE could possibly come up with. First of all, I'm enjoying this Edge situation with him being heel. Bully Ray talked this week after Raw where he is upset at WWE because he thinks WWE is forcing people to dislike Edge and WWE is forcing people to dislike Becky Lynch. People dislike Becky Lynch because WWE has treated her character like complete dog shit. That's why people dislike Becky Lynch. People dislike Becky Lynch for all the wrong reasons. Edge, I don't think people really care about what Edge is doing as far as a babyface or a heel is concerned. Edge is respected no matter what. Edge is loved by everybody. We just want to see Edge on television because we know Edge is not going to be on our televisions all that often. WWE in the Becky Lynch situation, yes, I think he's right on that because WWE forced a heel turn on Becky Lynch and nobody really wanted to boo Becky Lynch and it actively really turned the fans against Becky Lynch in the wrong way. So it did bad for the overall Becky Lynch presentation and the overall Becky Lynch character. Edge, it really doesn't matter. He can play heel, he can play babyface. I'm not going to sit here and boo Edge. We want to cheer Edge because we love Edge. WWE fucked up on Becky Lynch. That's their own fucking problem. They got themselves to uh, blame for that one. Who's to blame for that one? Look yourself in the mirror, Bruce. Becky Lynch should have never been a Conor McGregor fucking cocky heel. She always should have been the babyface that we fell in love with during her Ronda Rousey, Charlotte, triple threat, winning the unified championship at WrestleMania 35. But Rhea Ripley getting a heel turn, man. The woman has been fucking ice cold. Ice cold. The woman has absolutely been destroyed, and everything about her has been destroyed on the main roster. She lost to Charlotte. She beat Asuka. Lost to Charlotte again. And WWE then paired her with Nikki Ash, who more than likely is going to be on the budget cut list whenever, whenever we get the next one. You know it's coming. She hasn't been on TV at all. And Rhea Ripley was in the darkest of fucking doldrums on Monday Night Raw. She didn't do shit. She was treated as a joke. They didn't take her seriously. WWE did not have any plans for her going into WrestleMania. They put everybody in the same fucking match just to get everybody on the fucking show. That's not planning good for anybody. And now WWE's got her in this other makeshift tag team. It's very easy to sell her on a heel turn because you've been in these tag teams. You've been asked to trust these people. They let you down. Edge is going to promise you fucking prosperity. Join Edge and become successful again. And there's no better one, no better guy to take advice from than Edge. This is going to work out brilliantly for Rhea Ripley. Tommaso Ciampa, well, the, reason all, the reason why we all fell in love with Tommaso Ciampa is because he's the psycho killer. Clearly, Edge is doing some fucking brood, ministry of darkness, dark cult leader, and I could see Tommaso Ciampa fitting in that as well. I could see that, absolutely. Edge, Damian Priest, Tommaso Ciampa, and Rhea Ripley? Sounds like a damn good faction to me. And you know what? It's different. 
Not the gimmick, per se, because the gimmick is influenced by the Ministry of Darkness and the Brood, and we see these dark groups and these dark gimmicks. They're all the same. The Wyatt family, they're all the same. It's only a take on everything else that's been done. But for the longevity of a Rhea Ripley's career, and to give Tommaso Ciampa some meaning on Monday Night Raw, I love it. I love it. Tommaso Ciampa paired with Edge, Rhea Ripley paired with Edge, Damian Priest paired with Edge. They're all lost. Priest was lost. Rhea Ripley's absolutely lost. Tommaso Ciampa isn't even on Raw yet. He's already lost. Just go in there. I love it. I think it's going to work out great for all three guys involved. Can't wait to see the heel turn, and I hope WWE really does go through with these plans for this new foursome, this new heel faction led by Edge. Alexa Bliss, somebody I do not want on my television, but that is not going to be a thing for long. Alexa Bliss was not in Dallas at WrestleMania or all WrestleMania weekend. PW Insider is reporting that Alexa Bliss was not in Dallas for WrestleMania week. That is unusual because WWE tends to bring the entire roster in, and even talent that is not featured on WrestleMania is still flown in. Oftentimes, the talent is not booked for pay-per-view, and they will be seen making appearances for the company, doing autographs, signings, all that stuff, scrums and uh, press conferences. Other than that, you know, the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony, everybody's usually there to experience and support the WWE Hall of Fame and hang out with each other backstage and just get the vibes and feels of WrestleMania. Former WWE star Ted DiBiase, for example, was brought in for the Hall of Fame ceremony. In January, when WWE began airing vignettes for Bliss, it was believed that she would return to action with a new gimmick and start a feud with somebody on the Raw roster. The vignettes aired for weeks, and then they were dropped. She was suddenly booked to wrestle in the Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia, did not win, and has not been seen on TV since that show. PW Insider later reported that there were no WrestleMania plans for Alexa Bliss. She tweeted out the following on March 1st, and I quote, Yeah, I don't know. That appeared to be a response to fans asking why she's not booked for Raw following her appearance at the Elimination Chamber show. At this year's WrestleMania Access, they had an Alexa's Playground set displayed, and a cutout of the main roster, original Alexa Bliss character. So, I don't know what's going on with Bliss. She's so widely heralded as a, as a favorite by management that I don't think this is going to be a thing for long. And I do think she will be back on TV. And I do think one of two things is going to happen here. Number one, it's not going to be anything regarding SmackDown because... Ronda and Charlotte are going to be the top program on SmackDown. Putting Alexa Bliss on SmackDown doesn't really do anything as far as interest is concerned in that division. I do think she's going to Monday Night Raw. I do think that she's going to end up on Monday Night Raw, and I do think that she will eventually challenge Bianca Belair for the Monday Night Raw Women's Championship. Now, that doesn't really interest me either, but Alexa Bliss as a heel is better than Alexa Bliss the babyface, and I don't give a shit about Alexa Bliss, period, but I do know that she was a damn good heel. So I could see that. And WWE dropping the angle, maybe coming up with something where out of all those vignettes, she has reverted back to the goddess, Alexa Bliss, which I do think would be a welcome sight because whatever the fuck she was doing with Alexa's playground and Lily is complete shit. It was nauseating and it was trash. I could see that being a thing. The other thing is WWE hasn't really shied away from using main roster talent on NXT. 
Who's the NXT Women's Champion? Mandy Rose. Who's the N- who was the NXT Champion before Dolph Ziggler lost it to Braun Breaker on Monday night? Dolph Ziggler. So I could absolutely see WWE still using main roster talent to help get NXT to a point in the rating where they think NXT should be with the ratings. And I could absolutely see WWE bringing Alexa Bliss down because she's got nothing to do on the main roster. You got Asuka coming back. You got Bailey coming back. You got rumored call-ups happening with Raquel Gonzalez and possibly Io Shirai. We don't know what's going on with the women's division. So they got the call-ups. They got the returns. Lacey Evans is coming back. I'll talk about that in a little bit. So there will be additions to the women's division. I don't know where Alexa Bliss fits in all this. On Raw, maybe. With Bianca, maybe. But in NXT? If WWE is going to continue the the, the path of using main roster talent on NXT, why not Alexa Bliss? She was at one point NXT. She was in NXT. Didn't really do much down there. She was more of a valet for uh, Buddy Matthews down there and uh, his tag team with, uh, what's his name? I forgot his fucking name. Uh, The dude that went over to Impact. I forgot their fucking names. Buddy Murphy was there in NXT. And I could see that happening now for the NXT Championship and Mandy Rose. Imagine NXT and them doing a title match with Alexa Bliss and Mandy Rose and Alexa Bliss wins the NXT Women's Championship. I could see that absolutely being a thing. That's a lot of different fucking... That's a lot of people watching NXT to see Alexa Bliss every fight. Wesley Blake, there you go. Sorry. Slipped my mind for a little. Wesley Blake and Buddy Matthews. Buddy, Buddy Murphy. She was the valet for them. So she's got time in NXT. I could absolutely see Alexa Bliss winning the NXT Women's Championship. And WWE using Alexa Bliss to generate more buzz for NXT that right now is not there. She will be back on TV. I don't think anybody that is a fan of Alexa Bliss needs to worry about that. Jerry Lawler. Quick note here. Jerry Lawler will be back on commentary next week for Monday Night Raw. This is not going to be an every week thing, though. He will be around for a couple of weeks. Corey Graves and Carmella are set to get married today in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So congratulations to the happily new married couple. On Monday's Raw, Carmella and Zelina officially split up. This is a segment where Zelina kind of hit on Corey Graves. There was a segment on Raw where Graves and Carmella had a makeout session as well. I believe that was what happened there. This is all leading to their, uh, their marriage on Thursday, today, and they will be on their honeymoon, which means Jerry Lawler will be filling in for Corey Graves for the next couple of weeks. It could be just this week, this coming Monday. It could be the following Monday as well. So Lawler's going to be there to fill in next to Jimmy Smith and Byron Saxton, and Corey Graves will be back as a happily married man, and he will be back in the color commentary spot when his honeymoon is over. I know, I know, I'm not a a fan of uh, modern-day King, but listen, anything's better than listening to Byron Saxton, man. NXT notes. NXT's ratings on Tuesday. This was a post-stand and deliver. Post-WrestleMania edition of NXT. Still in the 600,000 range, 631. 631,000 live viewers up from 626, so they remain steady. 18 to 49 demographic did a 0.14. Ranked number 23 in the cable top 150. This show was not good at all. This show was a complete fucking disaster. 
which was headlined by Braun Breaker and Gunther. Walter. Don't know why they gave that match away on basic television, but I said it then, I'm going to say it now. Gunther is getting called up to the main roster with Marcel Bartel, not Fabian Eichner. I don't know why. I'll get into that story in a second, but I did not like the way they wanted to do that match unadvertised, and it ended in 10 minutes. Gunther is a lot better than that. But they wanted to do, do, to do the match, and they had him lose clean because the only thing I could surmise is that they want him to lose clean on his way up to the main roster, kind of like him going out and putting over the young kid on his way out of the territory. But I don't think that match should have been booked. I don't. You could have picked anybody for Braun Breaker to beat because the storyline at the end of NXT was Rick Steiner, his father, getting kidnapped by Joe Gacy, and now NXT management is going to give us a Braun Breaker versus Joe Gacy storyline for the NXT championship. So Gunther was used as a stepping stone to get to Joe Gacy. But meanwhile, what I'm thinking is Gunther should not be losing matches like that, and he should be looking strong coming up to the main roster, not losing. NXT is not good on a week-to-week basis, man. There's more to dislike than there actually is to like. The like is in the talent. The way the show comes off and the way the show is booked, it's Monday Night Raw 2.0. One of the reasons to like NXT is L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight is about to get called up to the main roster. L.A. Knight has outgrown NXT. According to a new report from Fightful Select, there may be two NXT stars headed to the main roster sooner rather than later, one of them including L.A. Knight. Reportedly, there's been a pitch for L.A. Knight to join the main roster as a managerial mouthpiece, given his impressive mic skills. As previously reported, L.A. Knight was in attendance at Raw back in January, where he wrestled a dark match with Roderick Strong. The report also referenced a call-up for Raquel Gonzalez has also been pitched, but no details were given on when or if. Gonzalez won the NXT Women's Tag Team titles with Dakota Kai stand and deliver to only lose them a few days later on Tuesday's show back to Toxic Attraction. I said it about Gunta when he lost to Braun Breaker. I said it about Raquel as well. Seems like in both instances on Tuesday that a call-up was in their future. LA Knight, a call-up was in their future. I said the same thing about Carmelo Hayes. He lost the North American title In that ladder match, WWE is very high on Carmelo Hayes, and the North American title is now moving on to Solo Sokoa on NXT. Cameron Grimes is defending against Solo Sokoa, about to get into a program with Solo Sokoa. Who's to say they don't call up Carmelo Hayes either? I don't know. I don't think Carmelo Hayes is ready right now for the main roster. He's young, 25, 26 years old. What's the rush? What is the rush? There is no rush at all. Same thing with Braun Breaker. He's 26 years old. What is the rush to get Braun Breaker on the main roster? So LA Knight, Raquel Gonzalez, and Marcel Bartel with Gunta is on the main roster, supposedly. But LA Knight, LA Knight, a manager? Who the fuck thought that was a good idea? Now, this report says it's been pitched. That doesn't mean it's going to be a thing. But the last time I heard that was in situations with Adam Cole. 
Remember when Adam Cole met with Vince McMahon and the next thing you know, it was pitched that Adam Cole manage somebody that we found out was later going to be Keith Lee. Yes, they pitched an idea. If WWE had Adam Cole say yes, yes, I want to be with WWE, more than likely he would have gotten handcuffed and he would have been having his hair cut, his name changed, and he would have been Adam fucking something another on the main roster. Because God forbid we see Bay Bay back on television. Or God forbid the crowd is so into Adam Cole that every time the ring announcer says Adam Cole, the crowd goes, Bay Bay! No, we can't have that. That's the language of the wrestling mark, says Vince McMahon. Can't have that on TV. So if Adam Cole said yes, yes, I want to stay with WWE, I want to stay with you, Vince, more than likely he would be a manager. And then Keith Lee would have gotten fired, and then Adam Cole also would have gotten fired. Or Adam Cole would have been chasing the 24-7 title under a new name and his hair being cut. Something along those lines. But LA Knight, a manager, whoever pitched this idea, whether it was a no-name geek in creative, whether it was Bruce, whether it was John Laurinaitis, whether it was somebody on Vince McMahon's fucking circus of fucking bowl gargglers over there, that person who pitched this idea should ultimately be fucking fired. What a ridiculous idea. And this goes right back to what we said, man. The negligence for talent and the carelessness for talent because L.A. Knight is 38 years old, 39, 39 years old, whatever the case may be. There is no value in L.A. Knight. But Bobby Lashley's over 40. AJ Styles is over 40. Finn Balor's 40, right? Edge is 40. Damian Priest is 40. No, but L.A. Knight, who apparently is younger than all of them, is not good enough to be on TV, on SmackDown, to give a depleted roster a much-needed shot of adrenaline, right? So whoever pitched this thinks that L.A. Knight's value is in microphone only, and he can definitely not help a depleted SmackDown roster where he could easily be inserted into a feud with Ricochet for the Intercontinental title. L.A. Knight's good enough to be in a major world title program. He is a talented guy that could play heel, babyface, you name it. He is valuable to the WWE roster right now as an in-ring performer. You're better off just releasing him and letting him go back to fucking impact as Eli Drake, if that's the case. What a joke! What a joke. I don't understand this. If you are in charge of a promotion, it, say, say say you guys are in charge of a promotion and you see oh, LA Knight. I think LA Knight. I want LA Knight. I want to draft LA Knight to my, to my brand on Monday night, Friday night, wherever the case may be. Are you really going to say, yeah, I want LA Knight not as a wrestler. I want him as a manager. And by the way, when does WWE take priority in managers? Who's a manager on the main roster now that's not Paul Heyman and not MVP? I'll wait. I'll wait. Who's a manager that is credible on the main roster not named MVP and not named Paul Heyman? Yes, because WWE now wants to get into the market with managers as a top priority. Bruce Pritchard, man, I swear to fucking God, man. Whatever the fuck you are sniffing, bro, please pass it to me and everybody in the venue.
We want a fucking hit of whatever you're fucking sniffing, bro. Seriously. Give me a fucking break. Give me a break. This shit sucks. If I see LA Knight as a fucking manager and not in the ring on Friday night, oh my goodness, man. You guys are not going to want to miss that Friday Night SmackDown post show. Raquel Gonzalez. I mean, I don't even think she's ready for the main roster. She's green as grass. She had one of the most lackluster title reigns in the history of NXT. I don't think she's very good in the ring. Her theme music is fucking horrendous. What is Raquel Gonzalez going to do on Monday or Friday? Ultimately, this is all feed. This is all food scraps for Charlotte Flair to feast on. That's all it is. WWE probably put her on SmackDown and build towards Charlotte versus Raquel or Raquel versus Ronda. Oh my God, man. Yeah, I'm so I'm so excited about that one. I think there are better women that you could call up instead of Raquel Gonzalez, mainly Io. But I honestly think we're all in the same boat rowing down the river that we don't want to see Io on the main roster because she'll just end up like everybody else, irrelevant. Nobody wants to see EO on the main roster because WWE doesn't know how to book somebody with the caliber of talent like EO Shirai. Dakota Kai is another one. She's outgrown NXT. She's more than ready for the main roster. No, but we're going to call up Raquel Gonzalez. For what? Does WWE have a plan for Raquel Gonzalez? I, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Give me a break. The other ones are Marcel Bartel and Gunta Walter. They may be getting called up to the main roster, but not Fabian Eichner. Why? Fabian Eichner is not getting called up to the main roster, according to reports from Sean Ross Sapp and Fightful Select. SmackDown may be the brand that they join should the decision being made occurs. So it was said the call-up could happen as early as this week. We could see Gunther and Marcel Bartel on Friday night SmackDown. Great, I can't wait to see fucking Walter and Marcel Bartel feuding with the fucking Viking Raiders and feuding with Los Lotharios. Give me a fucking break. That's the best you got. And why not Fabian Eichner? I'm sorry, when did we start breaking up tag teams like this? Why are we taking two guys that are more valuable together and breaking them up? I don't really understand the logic there. So this would explain why Walter lost to Braun Breaker in the main event on Tuesday's NXT, as well as Eichner re- removing himself from the situation with uh, Bartel in that match with the Creed brothers. He walked out on him. SmackDown is heavily discussed as being the destination for Walter and Marcel Bartel. But Meltzer recently discussed that not only that, that Bartel is qualified to be up on the main roster, but he's not going to make it because of his promo ability. Same thing with Walter. He ain't going to make it either for the same reasons. But Walter was not mentioned here by Meltzer. Bartel's got a good physique. He does not have the charisma to be a star. Added to that, Bartel cannot speak English fluently, which is a major disadvantage for anybody that works for Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard. He's not going anywhere on the main roster, says Dave Meltzer. He's great, but it's just not going to happen for him. For whatever reason, they bring him up because they have good bodies and Bartell is tall. The reality is that you know, even with that, Bartell is not going anywhere on the main roster. He's great, but it's just not going to happen. I mean, I would say as a single, 
He does not have the charisma to be a star. Plus, they look at his, you know, language as a challenge and him not being fluent in English to that degree that they, like, as a Dutchman, he'll go anywhere. And Eichner, who's strong and who's good, I just think he would end up being a guy on the main roster. But as a team, those guys are tag team champions. Easy. It was said that once Gunther moved to the United States, the plan had always been to bring him to the main roster on either Raw or SmackDown. WWE typically does NXT call-ups right after WrestleMania. Walter is in for the shock of his life. Tony Khan, within good knowledge, I have within good knowledge to know that Tony Khan and AEW management have a calendar and they have a Gunther time clock in their offices at TII, TIAA Stadium in Jacksonville. They got a Walter time clock on their wall in Jacksonville, and they are just awaiting for the inevitable to happen, ladies and gentlemen. How soon can we start talking about Brian Danielson and Walter on AEW television? How soon can we start talking about Walter versus John Moxley? happening on AEW television. How soon can we start talking about Walter versus Samoa Joe, Walter versus Hangman Page, Walter versus Kenny Omega happening on AEW television? You and I both know this is going to happen. It's not going to happen next week. It's not going to happen two weeks from now, three weeks from now. Who's to say in six months, three months, Two months, six months, nine months, a year. Who's to say we are right back here next year around WrestleMania and Walter is not released? This main roster, the way I see it on SmackDown, is that it's Roman Reigns and nobody else. Roman Reigns is not losing that Universal Championship before he gets to The Rock. I would have him lose the Universal Championship as I don't think, and I, I'd change my tune. I changed my tune. Cody Rhodes should be the one to take down Roman Reigns because there is nobody. But if Walter is coming to the main roster and Walter is showing up with Bartel and Walter should be showing up with Eichner, it's money to book Imperium versus the Usos. It's money to book Imperium versus the Bloodline. It's money to book Walter or Gunther versus Roman Reigns and Walter taking down Roman and the Tribal Chief. If that is what you're presenting to me, and this is the rumor of Walter going to SmackDown, I don't know why you are not thinking about that or pitching that. No, but you're pitching fucking LA Knight to be a goddamn fucking manager. What is Eichner going to do by himself? What? Guy's been in a tag team for the most of his fucking NXT career. The only time the guy's been a single is when he competed in the Cruiserweight Classic. That's it. As soon as Bartel made it to television, they paired them up and they've been the best tag team for years in WWE. And you want to actively split him up. You are asking for Bartel to get released. You're finding a way actively to find any excuse to get rid of Bartel. You ain't fooling me. What the fuck is Bartel going to do with Walter? Walter's a single. Is Bartel going to be a single? Is he going to be with Walter? Are they going to be a tag team? The fuck is he going to do on the roster by himself? You're calling up Imperium. Two-thirds of Imperium, right? Are they going to be together? 
Or is Eichner going to be by himself and Bartel going to be by himself and they ultimately fail individually? I hate seeing good talent wasted. I hate seeing good talent wasted. I hate it. Walter is doomed. He's fucking finished. He's doomed. He's finished. Finished. Give me a break. What is that man going to do on SmackDown? He's going to be on SmackDown every week? Yes, I can't wait to see fucking Walter every week wrestle fucking Baron Corbin. Holy shit. The negligence and carelessness of talent. Call up Imperium and feud them with the bloodline. That's it. That's all you need. You got a program there for two months, three months, easy. There you go. It's not that difficult. When I can do your fucking jobs better than you can do your fucking jobs, we got a fucking problem. Guys finished. Eichner, Walter, and Bartel will be gone, and Walter will be in AEW within the, le- the next 12 months. I guarantee fucking to you. They already changed his name. They changed his theme music. What else is next? He's the Triple H guy. He's the Paul Levesque guy. All three of them are. They'll be gone. They'll be gone. I would not be surprised if Bartel and Eichner get hit road. They'll make the, they'll make the man roster. You won't see them. You'll see them once, and then you'll never see them again, man. After four weeks, Bartel will be gone. Calling it right now. Walter will be by himself. And then he's going to get a swift kick in the dick. He knows, man, maybe I should have fucking stayed in Austria. I moved here for this? Holy shit. SmackDown. SmackDown drew their highest viewership since September for the final WrestleMania build. 2.359 2.359 million viewers on Fox. That was up from 2.180. 18 to 49 demo did a 0.61. That was up from a 0.49 a week ago, man. That was the highest rated SmackDown since September 10th. So there you go, man. WrestleMania showing WWE the big numbers. What happens four weeks after WrestleMania? What happens going into Money in the Bank? What happens going into SummerSlam? Ratings will be right back to where they used to be. Lacey Evans, potential spoiler coming Friday, guys. Lacey Evans may be making her TV return very soon, and we could see her on SmackDown as she is scheduled to be backstage at Friday Night SmackDown. Oh, wow, I can't wait. I can't wait to see Lacey Evans back on television, man. Man, That that feud with Natalya, man, it's going to be groundbreaking. That feud with Aaliyah is going to be fucking must-see, right? Give me a fucking break. I'll tell you what, though, Lacey Evans got a better moonsault than Charlotte Flair. Don't at me. Lacey Evans has been sidelined for over a year as she was pregnant with her second child. The WWE gave her the time off, and WWE has not brought her back yet. Evans last wrestled for the company in February 2021 in a tag team match with Peyton Royce against Charlotte Flair and Asuka. Before pregnancy, Evans had been featured in a storyline with Charlotte Flair and Ric Flair, where Ric Flair was going against his own daughter because he found the new love of his life in Lacey Evans. Trash. Completely, completely disgusting and should have never even made it to television. But this is the kind of risque writing that uh, goes through the mind of one Bruce Pritchard. Lacey Evans back on TV, folks. Lacey Evans back on TV. How many of you in the chat actually care about Lacey Evans, man. I would rather watch fucking shit just melt in the hot summer heat than watch Lacey Evans on TV. Give me a fucking break. Nobody cares. 
That's the last thing I want to see on my fucking television. She adds nothing to the women's division. Rick Boogs. Quick note on Rick Boogs. He was injured at WrestleMania. The report that just came out today, according to PW Insider, is that uh, the surgery to repair his quad tear was a success. The report added that Boogs is slated to leave Birmingham this weekend to return home and begin the process of rehab. We wish him a speedy recovery, man. My, my, my boy, Rick Boogs, man. My heavy metal brethren, Rick Boogs. Hopefully he gets better. And uh, he gets back to TV in relatively quick fashion. But uh, I hope he starts picking up that guitar, man. Starts jamming out. And uh, maybe at some point he starts writing some original tunes on that guitar. So Rick Boogs, man, he's going to be out for a little bit. And we don't know how long it happened on a deadlift with the Usos when he collapsed and his knee gave out. And he managed to crawl in and tag Nakamura. But he will be out for uh, a few months. But uh, we wish him nothing but the best here on OTS. Rick Boogs wishing him a speedy recovery. Quick, AEW notes, ratings are in. Dynamite did 989,000 live viewers this week. The 18 to 49 demo did a 0.38. And Dynamite ranked number two in the cable top 150 shows for the nights. Dynamite was pretty awesome last night outside that ridiculous Hardy Boys match with Butcher and Blade that did not make any sense. MJF and Wardlow heating up. Adam Page and Adam Cole, Texas Deathmatch next week on Rampage. We got Moxley versus Wheeler Yuta announced for Rampage this week. We got no CM Punk on the show, which is a breath of fresh air. CM Punk doesn't need to be there every single week. A banger of an open with Adam Cole and Christian Cage. And a banger of a main event between FTR and the Young Bucks. Winner take all for the AAA and Ring of Honor Tag Team titles. Man, Dynamite. Was absolutely a thumbs up show. If you missed my post show review, it is on the channel right now. Ring of Honor. They did 20,000 pay per view buys for Supercard of Honor, man. 20,000 fans paid to watch Ring of Honor on Friday on pay per view and all other streaming platforms. Supercard of Honor was also available free to Honor Club members. Those numbers did not count as only traditional pay-per-view and direct streaming purchases counted towards the number. Tony Khan should be thrilled with those numbers. Dave Meltzer reported this news and clarified that if um, or it was over 20000 and 20000 who paid full price for the show. So we may never know how many people actually watch it on Honor Club and how many people are still subscribed to the Honor Club program for Ring of Honor. He says, and I quote, for Ring of Honor, they did over 20,000 buys between streaming and television. I don't know how much over, but they beat 20,000. For that show, considering all the stuff that was going on that night, that is a phenomenal number. And that is a great, a great sign for Ring of Honor. Great sign. I thought that was as close to a takeover show as any show that WWE's put on with NXT lately. Even some of the latest takeovers that they had. They didn't even feel like takeovers. This was a great show on Friday night. If you guys want to go back and watch it, just based off opinion and views like mine, and you didn't watch it, I would say it's the best $30 you could possibly spend. You bought it on Friday night? Spend the 30 and watch Supercard, man. Absolutely worth your time. Now, we don't know what the plans are for Ring of Honor, but feedback to Tony Khan about what he did on Friday night last week has been overwhelmingly positive. So the reboot of Ring of Honor is off to a very strong start And I will be here to cover anything that Tony Khan does 
Ring of Honor related. And finally, guys, Tony Storm. I know you guys are excited about Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter coming in. I'm still, I'm still struggling to figure out why everybody's looking forward to this match, man. I, I can't really put my finger on it. Seriously. I think Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm are great assets to the women's division and AEW. I wonder why. Somebody let me know. Somebody let me know, man. I'm, uh, I'm old. I'm out of the loop, man. I got gray in my beard, man. I'm an old timer. I don't know. I don't know what the youngins are talking about and what the youngins are getting excited about. Anyway, Tony Storm, she, con- she considered retiring from pro wrestling before joining AEW. Now, she requested a release from WWE following a live event in Washington, D.C. That was in late December. And the company granted Tony Storm her release. Goes to show you how much they valued Miss Storm. After working her way through NXT UK and NXT, she was moved to the main roster last July for the SmackDown brand. She was involved in a program with Charlotte Flair right before she wanted to leave the company. The program was built for the SmackDown Women's Championship and involved cream pie. They made Tony Storm, who's one of the best female professional wrestlers on the face of the planet, they turned Tony Storm into a Pornhub thumbnail, just based on her being pied in the face. Was it lemon meringue pie? Nobody will ever know. Was it coconut cream pie? Maybe it was blueberry pie. Strawberry shortcake? I don't know. Only time will tell, man. Maybe we'll get that on a talk as Jericho somewhere in the future. What type of pie did Titus bake to send you out there with? Her 90-day non-compete expired. Storm signed with AEW. She made her debut on last week's Dynamite, where she defeated the Bunny to qualify for the Owen Hart Cup tournament. On the latest AEW Road 2 video, blog, vlog, whatever you want to call it, Storm commented on her in-ring return and noted that she planned on retiring from wrestling before going to AEW. She says, and I quote, recently I planned on retiring from the wrestling industry, which is something I have never considered in my entire life. I put my entire life into becoming the best professional wrestler I could be, and I lost that part of myself, and it brought on a lot of feelings of emptiness and sadness that I can't even describe. I traveled the entire world to be good at this, just like Owen Hart did. AEW is home to the best women's division on the planet. I just qualified for the Owen Hart Women's Tournament. And for the first time ever, I can say that I am truly home. This woman, imagine working all of your career to be the absolute best, a master of your craft, only to go to every fucking person's dream job, working for WWE, working for the biggest wrestling promotion of all time. And imagine everybody that you know knows you're good enough to be the next Sasha, the next Charlotte, the next Becky, the next Bailey, the next Bianca, right? That she was good enough and had everything that this company has been dreaming of at 26 years old to be as good as she was then, ultimately to be embarrassed and told that your work is not good enough because she asked for a release and they willingly let her go without even thinking or fucking blinking. Can you imagine how that made Tony Storm feel? Can you imagine? Just think about it. What WWE has done, and this is something that has been told several times over by a lot of different people. There are several accounts of this same thing being said. You go to WWE, 
You're there for a couple of, couple of years, and you get a run on the main roster, up from NXT. You see the differences between what Triple H and Vince McMahon has done and will continue to do. Now everything's all run by the same group of people. But in the time that we were watching NXT thrive, run by Triple H, they get called up to the main roster. It's all a different ball game at that point. And then WWE on the main roster absolutely kills your spirit, kills your love, kills your passion dead for professional wrestling. And this is not the only thing, like I said, this is not the only person that said this. Tony Storm adamantly admitted that WWE killed every fucking passion of hers to be as good as she is in this industry. Her lifelong goal was to wrestle. And WWE killed that. Can you imagine what everybody there is thinking that is unhappy? They're probably thinking the same thing as Tony Storm. Can you imagine that? Unbelievable, man. WWE confirmed to be the place where they kill your spirits about your love for professional wrestling. Guys, I'm about to go into the Super Chats. We are almost through this episode 425 of Off the Scripts. I appreciate you guys joining me on this Thursday afternoon. Let me know if you guys enjoy these Thursday live streams, man. I could get used to this. I could get used to this. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum on today's OTS. Super Chats are open. Get them on in. There's not many, but we'll go through them. New members, if you guys want to sign up, hit that join button. Make sure you guys sign up and become a VIP right here on OTS. Hit the subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. And make sure you guys go check out all the other content. There's plenty of it on the homepage right here on OTS. We got right at the top, man, Spirit of the Wolf with a $5 super chat. Same company that renamed Walter into a Nazi U-boat commander. Oh, yeah. He's got a rude awakening coming to him, man. So does Bartel and so does Eichner. And Eichner's great, man. I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for him, man. He's not good enough to be on the main roster with the rest of his boys. Dorian Moore with the $2 Super Chat. Strong versus Dragunov for the UK title today. Don't care. I don't watch NXT UK. MGM Bolin. 999 Super Chat. Unrelated to this topic, but I'm having a completely awful day. So this live OTS is making me get my mind off of things. So thank you for that. Also, just finished season two of Yellowstone. That was insane. Bro, I'm about to start season four tonight. Tonight. I can't wait, man. Gonna have dinner right after the stream's over. Sit down with a nice drink or two. And watch some Ghost Adventures in Yellowstone, man. Sorry about your awful day, bro. The weather sucks, man. It's something in the air. Everything will be fine, bro. And we got you. Your OTS family got you. Dorian Moore with a $2 Seawager. China is in the Hall of Fame. She went in with DX in 2019. Yes, but she's not in solo. She was an inspiration and a trailblazer by herself without DX. So I don't know why people are saying she's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, she's in the Hall of Fame with Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Road Dogg, Billy Gunn, and X-Pac. She's not in the Hall of Fame by herself. KMG with a $10 super chat. 
Thank you so much for all that you do, JD. You are overdue for a week off. You've earned it. Keep pushing through the truth and much love. Thank you, Cam G. I appreciate you, brother. Cheers to you, man. Haywood with a $5 super chat from TK Shill to Vincel. The unprecedented rise and predicted downfall of JD from NY206. LOL, much love, brother. One week, I'm a TK shill. The next week, I'm an E-Drone. Uh, man, these people are fucking mental, man. They're fucking mental. Seriously. They went to the school of Tammy Sitch. Haywood also with a $2 super chat. That's a joke, by the way. LOL. Haywood, I know. I know, bro. Say Ja with a 199 super chat. I think Fabian is going to join the Don of NXT. Bro, now that you mention it, I can't I can't not see it. Fabian Eichner is Italiano. God. Listen, man. It works for who he is and his ethnic background, but I mean, he was perfect standing next to Walter and Marcel Bartel. Imperium, I mean, everything that that group embodied, man, it, it, I don't know how you could fuck that up. I really don't understand how you could fuck that up, man. Seriously. Imperium versus the bloodline sells itself, honestly. It sells itself. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here, man. I'm about to get out of here, man. I'm, I'm going to enjoy the rest of my evening. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me on this Thursday afternoon, man. This shitty, rainy, cold, windy Thursday afternoon in New York City, not Thursday night. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Make sure you guys go check out all the other content that you see there on the homepage, on the channel. Tons of it. Next time you see me, We'll be on Friday night for SmackDown. And we are going to talk about the happenings of Roman Reigns, man. What's next for Roman Reigns? What is next for the Tribal Chief? What's next for the unification of both the WWE and the Universal Titles? Who's going to make their debut, man? Is LA Knight going to be a manager? Will we see Raquel Gonzalez? Do we see Gunther? And we got a Rampage show. That should be a barn burner. I heard lots of good things about John Moxley versus Wheeler, Utah on Friday night, man. So we will be live to cover it all. But guys, I'm about to get out of here. Thank you to everybody that joined the chat. Thank you to everybody that decided to send in your super chats during this happy hour. Thank you to everybody that hit the thumbs up and hopefully hit the subscribe button. Make sure you guys check out joinhoney.com slash off the script. 30 days, or not 30 days, that's fucking audible. Free web browser. Go save yourself some money using Honey, man. Join Honey.com slash off the scripts. Guys, I will see you on Friday night. Until then, take care. Enjoy your Thursday nights, and I'll see you back live on Friday. Respect. See you guys later.